friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel Jay. Uh, it depends. I come in about 4.30 okay. um, because we're making donuts. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. That's uh, a total change in probably your, your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Huge change. Um, <laughs> I got when, when did that open up? When did this side open up? This side? Yeah. This side opened up in 2011. Okay. Uh, we started with just the one side in 2010. This yes. side opened in 2011. And then uh, we just started donuts. This is like our ninth day. Okay. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, it's like our ninth day. <laughs> so we have well, a couple guys who come in at 2.30 in the morning. Okay. Uh, I get here at 4.30, and then a couple more guys come in at 5. And okay. We make well, a donuts. Something very unique about your donuts. Yeah, they're potato donuts. Which, well, hold on, hold on. Where are we, Brock? <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> we slow roll into this, so you're good. Yeah. Where are we? Uh, we are at Hops and Pie. Located at 39th and Tennyson in the Tennyson, I guess, business district. District is that uh, uh, Tennyson the? Business District, District Berkeley neighborhood. Berkeley neighborhood. Correct. And your name is Drew Watson. And you are chef, co-owner, beer buyer, fixer of toilets, and you all the other things. Yeah. Do you remember what Nate had said his name was? The Claude Dubu. Oh, writer? okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Just a man of all trades. There yeah. was a. Professional, professional problem solver. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the donuts, and then we'll we'll kind of backtrack everything. So it's made out of potato flour. Uh, no. Okay. Um, so we use Jones Family Farms russet style potatoes. We okay. cook off the potatoes, we put them through the ricer, we add them to our donut batters. We make a sourdough donut. Okay. Uh, we use an eight-year-old sourdough starter for that. We make cake donuts, gluten-free donuts, vegan donuts, mm-hmm. and a whole bevy of flavors in each style. Um, Why donuts? What made you decide to try that experiment? So a couple years ago, I was at a bachelor party in Portland, Maine with a bunch of chef pals. And one morning, we uh, we went out after doing bachelor party things for some food, and we ended up at the Holy Donut. Okay. Um, and I ate one of these donuts, and it was just one of those, like, aha, mind-blowing kind of moments. And, were they also uh, potato? They were potato donuts, yeah. And that's, that was the thing. I was like, what, is, what, is, what are these donuts? What's so different about them? So come to find out, they are potato donuts, and... So I returned home from that bachelor party and just started feverishly making donuts in my kitchen at home. There was a fry waiter on our counter for years, and it smelled like a carnival. My wife would come out in the middle of the night. She'd be like, what are you doing? Making donuts. What are you doing? Uh, Time to make the donuts. Yeah, it's like I couldn't stop every day making donuts. Um, So two years or so went by. I went back to Portland to have them again because uh-huh. you know I'm not trying to copy them by any means but it was an inspirational mm. kind of thing you yeah. know so I wanted to go back and revisit them and then in doing that their original location is next door to the triple decker that my mom grew up in in Portland okay so it just gave me oh. this kind of weird like I it's don't know meant to be yeah something like that um, and so here we are yeah we closed down for a week in January to remodel the kitchen we put in a new hood got a bunch of new equipment so brought some guys in. And do you sell them out of this, or do you have a window? Or, or so um, you would go to the register where you pick up your takeout if you were coming in for pizza. Okay. So the donut shop is located within Hops and Pie. Got it. Um, it's open from at seven thirty Wednesday through Sunday, um, and we sell the we, we 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 run it until we sell out. And yeah. We've sold out 
almost every single one of the eight days we've been doing this. Nice. Last yeah. weekend they were gone by 9:30 a.m. Yeah, we like, lost oh, a good uh, we <laughs> lost a good donut place back at the end of the year with glazed and confused yeah. closing down. They're so in the Central Market, right? They were in the um, Stanley Market. Stanley Market, right? Yeah, but they had their other location originally down on uh, Leedsdale. Yeah, kind of yeah. like Monaco-ish. I, I don't know exactly what their cross street was, but yeah, we lost a, a pretty significant and well-known donut maker in town, and you guys have filled that void, and everybody must be looking for it. Yeah, um, it's uh, donuts is a whole different animal, you know. Sure. Coming from the pizza game, and you know, I was a fine dining chef for almost two decades before that. Okay. Uh, so donuts are very different. Very different. Can you can you pair a donut with a beer? Absolutely. Oh, so yeah. what do you, you do? pair anything with a beer? Oh yeah. Are you doing that actively here? You know, as you're um, kind of making the menu. We're not pushing it because it's our eighth day, but yeah. we've definitely had some uh, early morning beer club folks come in and yeah. be like, "Hey, what what beer should I have with this donut?" And you know, fix them up. Yeah. Hey, Unfiltered listeners, a couple announcements real quick before we keep going with the show. First, we are going to be doing a bracket challenge next week for the NCAA tournament. Things to know about that are going to be found in the show notes. $5 an entry, three entries max. It's something that we're going to do with Sports Nerds, my other podcast that I do with Jay's brother, Brian. Uh, We're looking to have at least 100, maybe 200 entries. So get your information in the show notes and get signed up. We will be ready to go live once the selection show is finished on Sunday. Second thing is Tivoli will be doing a two-for-one special for first round games, that's Thursday and Friday of next week. Uh, they will be t- it'll be two for one of their experimental light beer. If you haven't had it yet, go over there and just ask for the experimental. They are working on a name right now. It is a very very easy drinking beverage. So two for one during uh, Thursday and Friday games of the NCAA tournament over at Tivoli. Be sure to head over there, grab some food, grab some beer, watch some basketball. And third, if you haven't and you want to, you can become a Patreon patron of ours. Uh, we had a couple folks signed up last week. Many thanks to you out there, Caleb. Williams. Williams, that's the one that comes to mind. Uh, if you do sign up, we'll, we'll send you a koozie. We'll send you some stickers. That's at patreon.com slash unfilteredcraft. That's where you can sign up. It means a ton to us, and that's all I got for now. So get signed up for our bracket challenge. Information is in the show notes. Head over to Tivoli if you're in Denver on Thursday and Friday of next week to watch those first-round games. Get your buy one, get one of the experimental beer, grab some food, and then if you want to support us, sign up to be a Patreon patron. That's patreon.com slash unfilteredcraft. All right, back to the show. I, I remember one of the greatest days of my life was when I was in uh, college. I went to visit uh, a friend of mine at Notre Dame, and we were tailgating before a football game, and we were just at one of their parents' tailgate, and there was just a whole spread of donuts, and then, you know, all the beer you're drinking at a tailgate, mm-hmm. and I think that's all I ate that day, but to this day, just <laughs> that memory of drinking beer and, and eating, eating donuts. donuts has always cemented in my head. And Homer actually, Simpson, man. <laughs> oh, that is true. I <laughs> didn't knew, think about he knew that. Stuff. Yeah. He did, for sure. So your background, you said... Uh, uh, obviously a high-level chef. Where were you working? Where'd you get started? I grew up in Plymouth, Massachusetts, um, which is a tourist town slash fishing town slash cranberry town. So those are your industries. Um, So about 13 years old, I needed a job. My brother-in-law got me started in a local diner. Uh, Started washing dishes and worked my way up to flipping eggs. There's no child labor law at that? No, not back then there wasn't. I mean, you could also smoke cigarettes in the kitchen. That's the kind of time it was. Yeah, you Um, walk into any store, it was smoking or non-smoking. Yeah, it was fine. And nobody thought it strange that your waitress had a cigarette when she dropped off your plate. (laughs) That's so true. Uh, What do you have, sugar? Yeah. Oh, sorry about the ashes. Yeah, it's fine, you know. (laughs) But um, so from there, uh, I moved up to Boston. I went to Newbury College, studied culinary arts and hospitality, and cooked around Boston for several years and then uh, I wanted to get better at the farm to table thing so I sold everything I owned and I moved to Sonoma and Napa worked there 
for about five years and uh, met my wife there. She was on her externship from the Colorado Institute of America. And uh, we both end up cooking on the line at Julia's Kitchen at Copia. Wow, we yeah. continued to cook around wine country for a few years. Um, eventually got engaged, moved down to San Diego, got picked up by Starwood, um, ran one of their hotel kitchens there for about a year. Uh, but I hated that big corporate life. Yeah. And uh, so I went to be the chef de cuisine at Pomplamoose Grill. Um, did that for a few years. Leah was a food and beverage director at the Bridges at Rancho Santa Fe, which is a super fancy country club. Um, Too fancy for us. Like, I mean, crazy fancy. You know, <laughs> Phil Milkelson plays golf there. Okay. Like, yeah, it's okay. fancy. It's real fancy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she and I just, we you know, we were tired of running other people's places. Yeah. You know, I was going to leave the industry and become an umpire. Uh, what? It's the only other thing I really wanted to do. A fucking baseball umpire? Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to be a baseball player, but I wasn't good enough. So the only other wow. way to, you know... This conversation just got go. way better. <laughs> this guy, yeah. Sam, is probably the most knowledgeable baseball... Uh, you're, you're a member of what? Uh, Sabre. I'm a Sabre member. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. but you're a you baseball just, nerd. You just, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. do. I do. Okay, okay. We don't... Yeah. We'll put people to sleep, but you and I yeah, should talk yeah, yeah, later. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so, okay, um, so, umpire, so yeah. <laughs> the umpiring chef. I was going to go become an umpire, and... Uh, Beautiful face. But Lee and I thought we'd take a chance and um, sold everything we owned and moved to Denver. Our brothers lived here. Okay. Um, so we were drawn to here by the craft beer scene uh -huh. and uh, and family. And what year was that then? This was 2010. Okay. And uh, we started looking for a spot and we couldn't find anything and we kept looking and looking and looking and we're about to give up and go back to what our other plans were and we were walking down Tennyson Street and Tennyson Street was very different in 2010. Mm, yeah. There were boarded up businesses, bodegas, laundromats. We were talking, uh, both of it. us got our kids uh, natural uh, uh, cloth diapers at that place that used to be across the street. Is it still open? The, the, there was a baby store. You guys, yes. are, you, okay. Is, are they still there? Oh, well, it's a different one if you're talking about back in the day. Yeah, what was it back in the day? Like in 2010? Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember. Yeah, right. um, there were very few businesses yeah. on the street. Like you would get robbed, and your cars would get robbed. Really? Like it was, it was different. But times have changed. And yeah, the whole the whole Berkeley neighborhood has changed. Um, you know, just in the last well, I don't say in the last five years, but yeah, I mean, it's, five it years is, was the big change. Yeah, it's definitely hit a point where this is now a great neighborhood and tons of families, tons of young families, and so I'm sure your clientele is probably going to be a lot of, of probably early 20s, mid-30s folks. Yeah, they and they tend to... We've seen it turn over twice now, that young yeah. family, right? And we did it, too. We used to live down um, 26 in Osceola, right okay. off Sloan's Lake. And our daughter was about to start elementary school. We moved to Deep Arvada, you know? Oh, yeah. um, and that's about what happens. Um, well, at least you're near New Image, right? Closer to Cannonball. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is fine by me. Oh, yeah. It's better IPAs. Sorry, New Hutch, Image. They Hutch make good beer, yes. Hutch but makes fine beer. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely. So it sounds like you have always been, at least since you've become a professional or a worker, uh, a part of these communities known for craft beer. The Northeast, San Diego, Southern California, and now here. What is your history with craft beer? When did it start? Well, when I got into it, you know, I was more of a wine guy. Okay. Um, spending that five, six years in Sonoma and Napa. Right. Um, you know, I even, I lived 10 minutes from Russian River uh, oh, Brewing Company, Jesus. you know, yeah. and I would go there quite a bit, but I was by no means a craft beer guy at that time. Um, and then when I moved to San Diego and I was running the kitchen at Pomplamoose Grill, 
one of my cooks was a home brewer and okay. uh, you know we broke down the kitchen every Sunday night and he would always bring in some home brew plus maybe a couple bottles from Port or Lost Abbey or Green Flash or whatever and I mean all these breweries the Solana Beach Pizza Port was two blocks from the restaurant My so word. we would go there after work a lot um, and it just kind of slowly happened and then I just kind of fell in love with it I was like this is awesome I had no I was a high life guy uh -huh. prior to this uh -huh. you know if I was if I was hanging out with buddies it was high life that was it um, well, that it's a champagne of beer yeah, is, that, that answered my is. question from that I had posed the, the long table folks which uh, was what was your you know if you have if you're having a backyard barbecue and you're gonna plan on drinking half a case of beer what is it sounds like you're the high life guy yeah 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 I was what? I was now what is it uh, Utica Club oh yeah who Utica makes that Club. I don't even know what that is it's it? uh, upstate right New, New York, York. Yeah. you know who's big into that is the the banano group so any of the banano restaurants you go to they they have a always have Utica Club specials really? like two two buck cans yeah oh yeah. nice yeah it's I think I, what's their shtick I believe it was they were the first brewery after prohibition or something uh -huh. like that I, you know Okay. But it's one of those old, kind of like old style is, right? For, what yeah. is it, Chicago? Like, right. Utica Club in upstate New York is Yeah, the, the thing. ironic thing that old style is not made in Chicago. It's a Milwaukee beer. But it is yeah. now. Oh, really? That yeah. the Cubs, I didn't know that. But, the, I mean, it, it became but a Cubs there. staple. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, And it is all over the city of Chicago, but it's not a Chicago beer, which I didn't necessarily know. I, I, I grew up a Cubs fan. I didn't really know the whole background of the old style until, I don't know, five years ago? I'm What's sure. the background? Well, I'm not saying the background, but it, it ended up being sold. I don't know the, the true story. Being sold at Wrigley just okay. for cost, uh -huh. you know, and that's uh -huh. the Cubs fans just took to it. Interesting. And that's that's the thing about those like regional breweries, right? My wife's from PA, so okay. Yingling. Oh, and yeah. you don't even order it by Yingling. I love this. When I'm in her hometown, you say, I'll take a lager, and, they, and you give you is, a Yingling. That's what it is. Yeah. I love that. You know, Pacific Northwest Olympia. You yeah, know? that is true. Uh, Texas yeah. has what? Shinerbach or Lone Star? Or Lone Star. Lone Star. Lone Star. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I like. I like that. I was at the. In case anyone's wondering, if you go to the Austin Airport, I was there a couple years ago, and, uh -huh. and I was at. I think the Salt Lake barbecue. There was a spot yeah. at the Austin Airport, and I, I was like, I mean, I'm in Texas. I'm going to get some Salt Lake barbecue and a Lone Star. They charged me, quote, imported price because uh, they had different prices for domestic and import. Their Lone Star at the Salt Lake. Spot at the Austin Airport was considered an import. They probably just put that label on there so you make a little bit more money. Yeah, yeah. and know. how many people want that though? I would want that. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the airport. I want Salt Lake or Franklin Barbecue, but not yeah. available. I don't think they have. Uh, that. Yeah. But Franklin's with good. with a Lone Star or Shinerbach yeah. or you know, it's right there. Okay, so you're doing that. You moved to town. What was your first gig here then? What were you doing when you first moved to Denver? First moved here. Well, we did some consulting okay. while we, uh, you restaurant know, catering, catering. Yeah. Um, while we looked for a spot and, and, and you knew this was your model, what you wanted to do here. This I, I could see it in my mind. Okay. Like I, and that's kind of weird, but I, I knew exactly what it was. And uh, you knew the pizza model or the pizza and having the finest all the finest craft beers across the country model, or both, was it both? It's okay. just what I wanted from nice. from before we even moved here to do like to get it going. Writing the business, we wrote our business plan at Stone Brewing, which we lived about a mile from at the time. <laughs> Jesus, uh, this guy. Well, <laughs> once he converted to craft, like you said, he, he was in the right places. Yeah, yeah I was no I was living in North County, yeah. and all those breweries were outside my front door. My it was word. unbelievable. Um, so. Uh, yeah, we started looking for a place. Couldn't find one, couldn't find one. About to go back to work. We walked by this. There was a for lease sign in the window. It used to be an art gallery, and it okay. was just the single yep. side. Yep, remember that. And uh, contacted the landlord, and 
the rest is history, as they go. say. Yeah. Why have you only stuck to this location? Knowing the success that Hops and Pie why? Had. Why not? I don't understand I don't the mentality of I want seven hundred yeah. restaurants. No, okay, I, I did this to work with my wife. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and this is your grow a family team. business. This is my pizza family. Yeah, like these. I have guys in the kitchen who've worked here since day one. Yeah. You, you know, know them. They know you. You're yeah. invited to their house. They're invited to yours. It's, yeah. it's a it's a fantastic. They're family. I care yeah. about them as much as I care about any anybody. I guess I asked because I know you know just hearing your background as a chef and a trained chef and a, and obviously a very good one. The, uh, the the franchisees model has been very kind of uh, uh, hackneyed a bit. I'm just wondering, was you know, did you ever feel those pressures? Sure. Okay. I mean, people approach us on the semi-regular, I guess. Like yeah. it comes up. We looked into it a few times, but you know, I don't know. The second, you know, I have two kids that. I mean, all I want to do is spend time with them. Yeah. You add another location. You can cut the time and I'm spending with them in half, if not more. So it and sounds that like that doesn't interest me. You okay? Then I, having a pretty good pulse on craft beer in this town, do you enjoy that kind of turn back to just the taproom model that we seem to be seeing in town now? I and, love that. Okay, yeah, I love that. In fact, that's if I was to have it my way, that's the way it would be. Yeah. yeah. You but know, I've always I've lived in Denver since you guys have been opened. Never near here, but I've come here a number yeah. of times and I always know the reputation you guys have for obviously your food, but also for having and caring and having release parties for many different breweries, especially, you know, around festival time and whatnot. How did how did that start that you were able to get into a world that you could, you know, talk to a specific brewery or, or whatnot and say, Hey, our location's gonna be your special release or during JBF, you know, how did how, where was the genesis of all that? There was a lot of dumb luck involved okay. there. Perfect. <laughs> because honestly, we yeah. opened before the craft beer boom. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I, we didn't know there was a craft beer boom coming. Yeah. You know, we did it because we liked it. We and I love beer. We, like, for real, you know? And uh, so we were early. Before there was, you know, it, there was Falling Rock, you know, the, the Grand Puba of all beer bars. Right, yep. You know? And then it was us and Fresh Craft. And um, one more that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. As far as mom and pop. There uh-huh. was old Chicago and such. Right. But there was three real beer bars in town besides uh, besides the chains. And so everybody was in the early days, There, you know, when there was very little of a special beer, like, we were getting it. Um, because we showed that dedication. Oh. You know, okay. because we weren't selling cores. Because... We, and nothing against Silver Bullets or Banquets, you know, but that just wasn't our thing. Um, so it was a lot of dumb luck, you know, and, and, and because of what our, we were dedicated to, you know. We wanted to support like-minded folks, you know, craftsmen uh, who were producing things with their heart and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Do and so it just, it stuck and it snowballed and we were able to now, you know, the people we came up with, so to speak, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, we call the brewers directly or the, the founders yeah. directly. Like, well, 
we don't really deal with street reps, so which is interesting. You've now established that relationship. Yeah. And, and you can now just go right to the source. And I, because I know you guys are one of the select few uh-huh. in town that, that has the plenty of the younger, you know, every year. So yeah. that's a, obviously a, a badge and of I, honor. And I called have. them in 2010. You know, I called them. I was like, hey, Vinny. My name's Drew. You don't know me, but I used to live down the street in Sonoma. I used to spend my tiny cook's paycheck Mm. in your tap room every week. I would love to be able to pour your beer. And I stayed on the phone with him a little bit. And, you know, so that unlocked some doors. Were they, not to just pinpoint Pliny uh, in Russian River, were they, at that time, were they bringing... Plenty younger across. Well, back then they then were. They were uh, okay. Maybe not till the next following year, but maybe they were. I honestly can't remember. But then it was, you know, I wanted to pour Pliny the Elder. Right. Because that's the beer I drank in Sonoma uh-huh. if I could afford it. Because yeah. <laughs> you can get that year round. You can. It's yeah. made year round. And um, yeah, so that's what that phone call was about. And I made a lot of those phone calls back then. Just, and it was before the craft beer boom. So it was easy to call a brewery and get the owner of the brewer on the phone. Now you could, if you tried to call a Russian River and ask for Vinny, they told you to, they tell you to pound sand. <laughs> but it was a different time when they were accessible and they yeah. weren't rock stars right. to the general public, I guess. You know. How much of your access has to do with the fact that you treat the beer right? Um, Is it everything? I mean, aside from networking and being you know, relationship building, it has to be. I can send a keg there, and it's not going to sit in the back and not be on ice or cold, and it's you know it's going to taste off and like that. Just talking to brewers, I know how important that is. You know. Yeah, it matters, and especially you know to the beers that matter. It matters to us no matter the beer. Right. And you know it's and that's I used to explain that to anybody I was trying to get beer from. Be like, look, I have cold storage for my backup kegs. We clean the line after every single keg. Wow. Once a month, we break down our entire system. Nice. Well, there you go. Um, you that. know, and that, I think that probably gained us access. But I think it was just our dedication across the board. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I've called breweries and been like, hey, this keg doesn't taste right. Because dirty kegs happen. It's an accident, uh-huh. you know. Because being a chef, um, you know, I'm very in tune to making sure people get what's intended for them. So yeah. I call, you know, maybe it happens four or five times a year. I'll call up a brewer and be like, hey, man this tastes a little off maybe a dirty keg you want to come down they come down they taste it and either they're like no this is spot on or hey thanks yeah this must have been a dirty keg and they appreciate that um and you know i think perhaps that helps do you do you uh tend to get more of the specialty beers i mean i don't know if that's the right word more west of the mississippi or are you going to get people from like your local neighborhood or from your the Massachusetts, like we do, do you we get do. Trillium and Treehouse? We do. We've had uh, so I had a special connection to tr- uh, Trillium. One of my close friends was their executive chef, somebody I came up with. So we've had a few Trillium events here. You know, they'll send out 20 kegs specifically for us. We'll pour them. Jeez, that's um, awesome. So it's happened a few times over the last couple of years. Um, Treehouse, I've never even knocked right. on that door okay. because D- does does it matter what time of year, or does a lot of it come up around GABF? That you may um, get the exposure. Obviously, more stuff is available during JBF, yeah. but I've had good success at reaching out. As long as you got to have a lot of lead time if you want, because they're not accrued by the TTB to be in state typically. So there's a process. They need to, a local distributor to import it yeah. and then send it over. And I have good relationships with um, some of the smaller distributors like True. Um, they have a distribution company and they'll do things like that for me sometimes. And 
um, you know, Crooked, uh, CSA has done some things yeah. like that for yeah. us in the past, Elite, um, which is really kind of all of them, and I really appreciate that. Uh, but it's it's a process, you know, so you got to call them with a plan and and kind of hope hope it unfolds. But it's a lot of work for on their end, too, paperwork and things yeah. like that. It's not just like, hey, you want to send some beer? And they call a truck and it comes out. You know, it's a, it's <laughs> I'm, a, sure, I'm it's sure before 2010 it probably could have been that model. Well, the, yeah, there used to be a lot of what we would flip collars, even back to like, well, whatever. We would, you'd get kegs in and say like, just for conversation's sake, we'll say, it would say, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Whatever. you would, It would say what the national approved brand was on the top of the collar. Then you'd flip the collar over, and it would say what the beer actually uh, is, and then you'd sell it. But nobody was watching for that kind of thing back yeah. then. So, uh-huh. but now you you wouldn't Not you wouldn't horse Sun King out of Indianapolis. Oh. It's permitted here, but it's truly something. Sun King is awesome. I I'm from Indianapolis, and oh, so are you? yeah, love their yeah. beer, man. Good I, people. We've we've done some events with them. I'm actually going back there over spring break, and uh, we have a, a place right near my mom's house. Coincidentally, called Twenty Tap, and it's this model on such a smaller scale but they try to you know the 20 taps obviously makes sense yeah and i think they usually just say 10 of these taps are local indianapolis brews okay. and then we'll go forth like drew's model and say hey who else wants to not who else hey everybody you want to come here but they do the same type thing they'll 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 focus half their tap line for just local and I don't know if that's like you know tried and true. Like it has yeah. to be. But anytime I go there, I know I'm going to get a great Indianapolis local brew, and I know I have the option of getting, you know, something I may just randomly get an Odd Thirteen or or a um, Jester King, like, he's, like like you guys have on tap, or a Fremont, something like that. So they, they do have a, a pretty good model. But yeah, it's they, they Indianapolis is becoming um, not that. There no, it is. It is. You're a right. lot of places. You're like right. you're saying, you have your Iowa. There's a lot of great breweries in Iowa too, but. It's everywhere. And, it sounds and like you need to bring extra luggage to, so that way you can bring Drew and I some Sun King back. That's a, that's a fine idea. Yeah, that's, I like where your head's at. I think right. you need to do that. <laughs> Just tell Katie that's what you're doing. Well, we'll, it's an we'll empty. Yeah, I mean, we're flying southwest, so you get an extra bag. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, for I actually, sure. That is the Beer Geeks airline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually went to a wedding in Cleveland. Uh, this was years ago Let's when, do, uh, when um, uh, New Belgium was not available east of Mississippi. And I went to a wedding in Cleveland. One of my friends lives in Colorado Springs. She and I were on the same flight. And she goes, oh, my bag is so heavy. I'm like, what, what? She goes, I'm actually bringing like five cases of beer from Colorado to Cleveland because everybody wanted New Belgium. Just She packed a bag. And, Full and beer. Literally none of the bottles broke. Because this, this was before canning. You, you, know, you probably have gotten to a point where... You've had a lot of people asking about cans. That's that's a big oh, shift. We, in yeah, the we world. hardly buy bottles in here anymore. Yeah, yeah. hardly. Cans of cans are the new currency for sure. So you brought up two. I mean, I, I do think of kind of, of fresh craft and and um, falling rock as being beer bars in town. You know. I don't think Falling Rock has ever really focused on their food per se. Freshcraft has tried to and kind of had a Midwestern kind of Iowa feel to it, yep. knowing those guys are from Iowa. Why pizza? Why did you decide that? Um. A lot of reasons. One, Lee and I just love pizza. Okay. Like, we still, 10 years later, eat pizza almost every day. <laughs> like, we love it. And uh, How in the hell are you not massive? <laughs> like I said, I'm going to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For like four um, hours. Yeah. Um, so that was one. And two, you know, we were trying to be smart. You know, okay. people eat pizza. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not like you're having to reinvent the wheel with every diner, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's accessible. It, it's, um, you know, we 
because of the way we make it, you know, we're 100 percent from scratch joint. Yeah. You know, we have an eight-year-old starter in our dough. We put beer in our dough. Wow. We age our dough for a minimum of four de- four days. We grind our own sausage, smoke our own meat. Like it's it's a huge process. There's 15 guys that work in the kitchen, and um, I think one know, of the best things so about doing that, doing the the pizza model in Colorado, is that there's not this whole regional. You have to follow a specific regional yeah. type of pizza. So you can make it however you want to make it. No one's going to call it Colorado pizza. It's your pizza. It's just you just call it pizza because yeah. you get you get the the uh, New York folks that's like oh this isn't New York pizza you get the Detroit you get the Chicago etc and so forth so yeah. yeah you guys can make your own pizza the way you want it and no one's going to say this isn't Denver pizza because that's not a thing which is, yeah. which is oh thank you very true and, and pizza is one of the foods one of the uh, maybe the most like wherever you grew up the pizza place you went to that's pizza in your mind you wouldn't believe how often yeah. I get the well this isn't pizza I'm like alright chief Whatever, whatever I mean, you want to say. My right. wife doesn't listen Slick. to this more than ten minutes, but I mean, she's a St. Louis kid and loves Oh, Prevel. It's oh, like that's Prevel, not yeah. pizza. <laughs> Just St. Louis is not pizza. No. <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, I get it. Like it's like eating Velveeta cheese on a cracker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. No, we we actually had a, a pretty good place in Dayton, Ohio, where I went to college. They had these small. It, it was cut very small. It was called Marion's Pizza, and it was just it was phenomenal. But no one said this is Dayton Pizza. It just it's just the way they did it. And yeah. I don't know if anyone out there has ever had Donato's. It's a similar kind of smaller pizza, thinner crust, but okay. cut into squares. Um, similar type of, of how it's set up. But I, I, it, it's different than the St. Louis. But yeah, it, and I have that in my head as being probably my pizza. Exactly. Not, not the best pizza. It's just my pizza, like yeah. you said. Yeah. Where where I grew up. Um, because it's a fishing town, there's a, a huge um, Portuguese um, demographic, okay. right? So we don't have. I never had Italian sausage on a pizza until I was adult. We had linguiça. It's just a Portuguese sausage, but oh. that's if you ordered a sausage pizza in Plymouth, Mass. You were getting linguiça, and yeah. that was it. What is that? How does that differ from the Italian sausages? Um, it's got um, some sherry and paprika in it. It's closer to chorizo. Okay, okay. but. Still very different. What's that? Does it have a kick to it? More of a sweetness and a, like a smoked paprika kind of flavor as opposed to like this is spicy. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, you know, regional, right? It's uh, it's crazy how pizza's like that. Go ahead. You're good. Oh, I was just going to probably change topics. Um, I was going to go over to um, what's coming up for you guys. Obviously, uh, if anybody's a Marty McFly out there and they're um, – because I know this is not coming out today because you guys have a, a book signing tomorrow. But um, what do you guys have coming up big, you know, specific uh, releases that are timely for this podcast? I don't know when Sam's going to release, but uh, what, what do you have? That's probably uh, an ending Wednesday. question to, to promote, but, you know, more of a, um, you know, what's, what's on the horizon for you guys? We have uh, our Crown Jewel event outside of GABF every year is our Sour Fruited and Wild Fest. Um, so that's coming up in April. It's on the 11th. It's a Saturday. Um, and there'll be a lot of uh, options from Casey Brewing and Blending, okay. some Jester King. There'll be some Cantillon, some Dre Fontaine, you know, some of the some of the benchmarks of those categories. When and you that's guys, always our biggest. When you guys have festivals like this or, or release parties or, or whatever, do you change maybe a menu item to try to uh, accommodate something that may go with a specific type of beer, a specific type of brewery or whatever? Like, do you, do you, add, like, do you, do you kind of think about the beer and pizza pairing of, of what they're bringing? 
we do on occasion for some events, not for that one. Okay. You know, like we'll do main releases. You okay. know, we had some Bissell Brothers a while back, and so in, in Maine Brewing Company, like we'll do lobster rolls and lunch beer. You know, don't they make lunch? They make lunch, yeah. which is just one of the best pound for pound like IPAs. You know, yeah, it's just great. Have you had lunch? I've beer? never had lunch. No. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I had it one time over at uh, First Draft. They yeah, because they they seem to have a you know pretty good. Uh, rotation of, of outside Colorado folks coming in, but yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is lunch phenomenal. is good. And like any it. really main beer, uh, main brewing company is one of those breweries where um, every beer is good. Main brewing company. I think every, I've had their every stuff beer. What you're just like, oh, this is just good. Now, unfortunately, you're not drinking, so usually, you know, at this time, you would be a little lubed up and answer questions that maybe you don't want to. But I'm still gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna press you. It's fine. I've been I've been up since three this morning. Okay. So. What I mean, what changes are you seeing to craft beer in Colorado that you like, that you don't like, the trends that you enjoy? What I mean, you are obviously plugged in as much as anybody else. What uh, has surprised you? Um. Well, the changes, right? Openings, closings. You know, I have to ask myself acquisitions. every time. Yeah, acquisitions. I have to ask myself every time I hear a new brewery is opening. I'm like, well, seriously? Yeah. Why? But I get the why part. Sometimes, depending on what the reasoning is, but there's so much. Um, I want to say about 2015-16, the investors types started getting into it because they were like, "Ah, oh, there's money to be made. I'm, I'm in. Who wants, who wants brewery money? You know." And that's kind of that bummed me out because leading up to that, it was more of a for the love of the game scenario. Mm-hmm. Like these guys were were home brewers or mm-hmm. shift brewers or you know brewmasters at commercial facilities and they're like I'm 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 you know putting my tile out I'm I'm seeing if I can make this happen I'm putting my world on the line and they're living sleeping eating drinking their brewery and and that kind of slowed down and it more became you know so mediocre so, beer. So is it a, a brewery starting because of that, or them getting extra money, like one that's already open, getting extra money to become that? I don't understand your question. Well, I, I guess you said the investors. Uh, well, they- it's yeah. When money started just p- being poured into any, you know, people not o- opening breweries for the reason oh, for their passion versus yeah, for hey, their I passion. I just went to somebody that gave me money and opened a mediocre. Yeah, product. yeah. I know a guy who makes beer. We'll hire him, you know, we'll open a tap room, and it's going to be great. And, you know, those, in, in my opinion, weren't, were the ones that were opening that were starting to tarnish, right? Because that's important. You get somebody to cross over, right? Say, say a religious Coors drinker is going to try a craft beer, and they go to one of these mediocre joints, and they're like, well, this... This isn't really that good for two bucks more a pint. Why would I drink it? Yeah. Whereas prior to that, you had one of these, you know, religious core drinker, Coors drinkers who were going to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a better chance they were going to get a great craft beer. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that, it if you're picking up what I'm putting down, no, but 100% does. that bums me out. There were, there were a, a slew of Denver-based, Colorado-based breweries that got into it around those one or two, three years that thought immediately they could scale. I think so. I think they, you know, they were built to do that declaration, right? I don't mind saying that. And then that hurt the quality of the beer and it just took it away and, and people, they began to pick up on that. And I, but I think to kind of not to counter, but to, to, to second what you're saying is we're seeing those kinds of breweries really suffer right now. I mean, we are. We're, they're, again, to go back to declaration, it's like 
are you this or are you that? Which one are you? Because you can't be both if you don't make fantastic beer that is consistent and yeah. enough of it. And know? that's what people were forgetting, right? Make a great product first. Yeah. yeah. I mean, good for you. You have a great location or you have incredible branding. But without a great product, what do you have? In this city, man. People pick yeah, up on that city. shit real quick. This city. I mean, if you're selling... If you're selling sandwiches, have the best sandwich. If you're selling ramen, make the best ramen. If you're making wa- whatever you're making, that should be your primary yeah, yeah. focus is to make the best whatever. They- there there are exceptions to that, and I'm obviously not going to name any names, but there are some um, you know, small to mid to large, I'll just be completely generic about this comment, that, that everybody knows about and everybody drinks that I don't think make anything good, but they've yeah. succeeded. Yeah. So yeah, they've succeeded with great force too. Yeah, we're thinking of the same place. <laughs> I, I think I think we probably are. I don't. Yeah. Want, you know, like so we're we gotta start paying our, subs- our subscribers. Got to start paying right for that extra. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. just have a have your Patreon of yeah. the the two minutes of being like, oh, it was beep. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I think you and I, or the three of us, are definitely on the same page in that return to the tap room model, in which you know uh, the, these places just make better beer. They're, I mean, their beer—it's back. Um, it's run a lot like this shop in the sense that it's uh, it's about creating a community around what you're offering. It's about uh, retaining your customers and making sure they want to come in and all of that. And I think that forces you to make a better product, whether that's pizza or whether that's beer. Do you refuse? to hold any specific types of breweries based on sure. a specific idea? Okay, good. I try I try to like we're not pour beer from like-minded places. Okay. And um, that's important to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you, uh, do you I, I guess it's probably not the right term, but is there like a specific size brewery that you say, well, you know, like, I don't want to say they're too big, but it's probably more like their mentality of like, eh, they're not, they're not what we're looking for. I don't do that until it's the sellout point. You okay. know, if you've gotten acquired and, you know, New Belgium was the most recent big Correct. one, right? But there, some, some people that I'm pals with, now just got their their retirement supercharged yeah. and that makes me happy i'm not going to pour their beer again doesn't mean i won't drink their beer again or support their workers or or, or support my friends that work yeah. there but you know that there's a there's a very love hate for me about that specific one but you know and and, yeah. and founders right uh not founders brewing but just like there's some guys out there you know the founder of ballast point you know, how was he going to say no? I was a, from a living in a billion dollars. A billion dollars. You know how that conversation went, I was told? <laughs> no. Corona calls. They're like, hey, we want to buy your brewery. He's like, not for sale. They're like, name your price. He's like, a billion dollars. They're like, done. He's like, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, uh, wow. <laughs> well, Ballast Point's interesting because of what they've gone through last within the last like 12 months. They they went from sellout, and then everybody's like, oh, they're back. They are now a craft brewery again because of who they sold to. But if you read between the lines, it's actually a giant wine conglomerate, kind of like who yeah. Constellation Brands who had bought them. They, they went... It just was. Yeah, it's like, like who wants this burning bag of shit for a great discount? You it know? just like, was that's what a happened. large. Uh, I don't even know like what the company you would consider them as, but they're they it's it's a large wine company. Was it Constellation? No, that's who originally bought them. Right. Yeah, okay. but it was they they just sold to another guy and like oh they sold to a a local 
you know, just trust fund, not trust no, fund. No, is it the Chicago guys that they sold to? They, yeah. they resold to the Chicago group. Like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're it's like, like a brew pub, right? Yeah. But they're not a brew pub. That. They're owned by a large wine conglomerate. Okay. That's my understanding. That they, yes, it looks, I think that's kind of like they worked behind the scenes mm-hmm. to say that some sh- local Chicago brewery bought them, but it it's, there's a, there's a bigger, bigger, bigger thing umbrella that actually there. owns that brewery, yeah. that brew yeah. pub, whatever. So it's the, the whole sellout thing is interesting to me because, uh, and you can probably chime in here. Um, I think a lot of times Goose Island is thrown up there because of the book, and you know, because of uh, AB as the the example of selling out. I went to Chicago in November to a wedding and went to, to Revolution and meet with the met with the folks there. Obviously, not a small brewery either, but um, they're a craft brewery. Good brewery too. Yeah, good, good brewery. They were, and this is not the first time I've heard that. I've heard, heard this from several people around Chicago. The money that was reinjected into the Goose Island Barrel Program because of that buyout has allowed their brewers to do whatever the fuck they want, and their beer is better at that location. They can just and go those and, beers, the Sophia yeah. and those beers, they're beautiful yeah. beers. Yeah, I'm not it, gonna, you know, but, but it's a complex thing. I mean, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing, but it's it's we live in a weird world now where craft beer is no longer um, now, now. I guess I don't want to say it's no longer now that divide between. Big craft and small craft is so much bigger than it ever has been, right? Like uh, a, a call to arms is now way, way different from an Avery in ways that it wasn't five or six years ago. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You could probably uh, split the world into obviously macro, and, and that's the, the major folks. And, you know, you've got your uh, major micro brews. Yeah. You know, your Dogfish, your Boston Beer Company, New Belgium, which is now off the table, whatever. Um, then you have your mid-range. So here in Colorado, you're talking your O13, your your new image, just yeah. just those, and River North, just kind of the middle. And then you have your just true local place, which I think goes back to what you were saying. Of those people are probably the ones, not to say who's better than others, but those are the ones that are the ones that you know right now to this day. And we were just at Long Table. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Long Table. They're over in Park Hill. Um, they don't want a can. They don't want a bottle. They don't want to distribute. They just want to be your neighborhood brewery, and they have a, a. That's all they want to do, and it's working for them because yeah. like people want to go there just in the neighborhood, and, and yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a great. They actually put out a great product, but they just they just want to be your friend. Yeah, I they love just, that. Yeah, I love that. And those, you know, we have a lot of breweries like that off on and off of Tennyson. You know, mm-hmm. Hogshead down Twenty Ninth, Call yeah. to Arms. Those guys are family. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I walk down there quite often, walk in the back door of the brewery, and Chris and I have a beer. You know, I mean, it's it, I love that. That's like community. That's neighborhood. That warms my heart, you know. It's amazing how I know we're going to shut her off here soon so you can go home and, or go work out and take a nap. So, um, <laughs> but, you know, being a, a professor of rhetoric, so much of it is about craft as a form and a frame and a word that we use to make sense of everything. And what is crazy is how big names like Boston Beer Co. have taken that, right? Use their money to kind of make sure that craft is still attached to it, when in fact they're not. But I mean, that changes, you know, aside from the three of us here, right? We are not we are the uh, kind of elite of craft beer drinkers, I think. I think the vast majority of craft beer drinkers, 75% of people, don't think the same way that we're having that conversation. Or maybe they haven't realized what It's emotional been, for us. It is, it is, you know, right? They haven't realized what has been bought, in yeah. essence, too. Because yeah. I've, I've spoken to a few people that, uh, you know, my daughter's school or you know, dads or moms of the daughter's school, and they're like, hey, you know, I, you know we'll go for a, a cookout or whatever. And they're like, hey, I got some 
you know, Breckenridge. You know, not to throw Breckenridge on the bus, but yes, they did get bought out. But like, yeah, you like craft beer. I got no, some that's Breckenridge. That's a great example, like, yeah. Okay. Great. I'm going to choke down this six-pack and go home and have a real beer. Yeah. <laughs> this vanilla porter. Yeah. Oh, yes. So. Oh, my God. Well, uh, you guys have a uh, beer club. So what? I, I don't know much about it. I just saw a sign uh, on the wall. Like, yeah. H- how, how do you handle that? Our beer club has been around since I, like maybe the second month we were open. Okay. So um, you knew what you were doing. I, by accident. Well, I guess you kind of knew. Just a... Yeah, dumb, dumb luck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's been around since our second month, I think, maybe third. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, uh, I'd say we're over a 1,000 because every num- member gets a number. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you don't renew, you know, your number's never reused, but we're we're well into the thousands oh, cool. of members. So if you re-up, you get your same number? You get your same number, and, and, and yeah, it's been around, so 60 bucks for a year. Um, you get a dollar off drafts anytime. You get your third draft on the house on Sundays. One Sunday a month, we pick three or four drafts and we sell them for fifty cents. Do you? Uh, you get in an deal. hour early on Sundays. Wow. Um, yeah, it was just a. I don't know because ba- I don't, back then or whatever. But you know the <laughs> back in my the, day, the craft beer community has evolved so much. You know. Uh, the three of us sitting here are kind of the old guard of it at this point. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to you're throwing out dates, and you guys opened in 2010. I've lived in Denver since before that, and I lived in Cap Hill, and then I moved to the City Park neighborhood, and then I moved to Park Hill. And I think I moved to Park Hill in 2012, and even then, I I don't think Station 26 was open because that's that was the the first one in the the greater Park Hill neighborhood. The closest I could go to a brewery was actually Bull and Bush, and this was oh, in like wow. 2012. See, that's vintage beer nerd right there. Bull yeah, and Bush. but but like their beer's still good. I was there yeah. like three weeks ago. But and I, just cool. Yeah, yeah. they got the yeah. state fireplace yeah. in the back. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's it's you feel crazy. like you're in your grandfather's library. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Anytime I get a, a, a growler filled, it was always Bull and Bush because there was nowhere else to go, and it's just a crazy change in just everything that we know as beer drinkers here in Colorado and. You know, it's 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 great and it's bad. Like you're saying, there's those people that just there. There's a place that used to be on 17th and uh, I think Franklin. It was called Deep Draft, and uh-huh. they. I, I guess I'm gonna throw them under the bus. It was my wife got a saison and a pale ale, and I got a stout and an IPA, and all four beers taste the same. It just was just gross, and I, I there was That's an outrage. Did you flip over the table? <laughs> I'm out of here. They were like kind of warm and only on the internet. Yeah, yeah it just was more of a. Uh, they just just were opening for opening sake. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm gonna ask before we get off. You met Guy Fieri. I did. Yeah. What was he like? You know, that guy does something for small businesses. Yeah. That nobody else does. How much of that? I mean, like, are you still seeing? In the time, this was 2013, it changed my life. He came here? Yeah. Yeah, oh, man. Changed That's, my life. My brothers came out here and wanted to, this is where we came. Because of? Because yeah. of, yeah. He does Triple something D. for small businesses that I could never repay him or thank yeah. him enough. How did that work? Does he seek you out? Does food uh, so it's, it's a strange process, man. You, uh, you get approached, by, you get an email or a phone call. And they're like, hey, Guy we're scouts. at foodnetwork.com. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we're scouts for um, for Food Network. There's a program that's interested in you. Are you interested? And then you respond, of course I'm interested. 
And then they're like, okay, fill out this questionnaire. You fill out this questionnaire. Then you fill out another question. And it goes on, this interview process, for months, and it's pretty intense. And then you never hear from them again. Yeah. And then you get a phone call. They're like, okay, we'll be there in two weeks. And you're like, oh, you say two hours? You know, like two weeks you're to get rid which, you know, there's a lot to make sure you're prepared. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, turn, turned it around and got ready, and it happened. And, you know, he's a, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He's he works his team. They were in here for two full days. Yeah. I would say maybe twenty hours for two minutes of television. They work so hard to make you look as good as they possibly can. Wow. That's a very noble thing they do. I have heard. I uh, a friend of uh, a friend of a friend had a restaurant that uh, I think was in Indianapolis, and yeah. same process. Like yeah. he, I I think. The main thing is kind of like his actions and the way he looks, but truly, he actually is just such a down-to-earth. He truly yeah. wants you to be the best that you are. It, it means a lot to him. And, you know, he's from Sonoma County. Okay. So I've been to his restaurants there before there was ever his show or the, he was ever or famous. Or the guy restaurant in Times yeah. Square. Yeah. And since then, you know, I was in Sonoma at a friend's birthday party uh, when the big fires happened a couple years ago. I woke up to it and it was insane. But he does so much for his community there, too. He does so much for elementary schools. Um, he's an amazing dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Drew. Any other national media you guys got, like, besides that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let me get my portfolio out. Here. Yeah. I, you know, we've been super lucky. Um, we've gotten a lot of awards over the years. And, and, um, you make good beer. I mean, you make good pie. You serve good beer. I mean, this place is really cool. Yeah. It's a place that you want to be. It's got a vibe. It's got a great bar. If you want to sit at the bar and eat, you know, breadsticks or something. And, yeah, and like Drew was saying, the, the people who work here yeah. have worked here for since day one. Not all of them, but most of them. And it, it's, it's a family atmosphere. And you know what you're going to get. You know you're going to get the type of service that and the type of uh, attention you know, it's not just service. It's like people actually want to, they, they want you to have their best experience. They want to ask you, like, what beer do you drink? Because I'm sure your staff is probably very knowledgeable about what you have, yeah. about what's on the menu, what's yeah. on the food menu, and everything like that. You, like, they want this place to be the best that it can be. Yeah, we're so lucky. Our team is everything. You're only as good as as good as your team. And like I said, man, they're our pizza family. They are. I'd do anything for any one of them any day. Yeah. Awesome. In closing, there's a place in Columbus Junction, Iowa, my town of 2,000 people, called Hawkeye Pizza. And this looks and feels just like Hawkeye Pizza, except my dad was not drinking um, Lush from Fremont. He was probably drinking a Bush Light or a Bud Light or something. But <laughs> Drew, cheers. Yep, Thank you cheers. so much. We really, really appreciate it. Make those gains, buddy. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Come on down to Hops and Pie. Boom. Or bam. What's what's Gifieri say? No, that's that's, <laughs> that's Emerald. Emerald. That's Emerald. Emerald's